business success usually comes to those who are too busy to be looking for it. Join RVK for the award-winning RV on Business Show every Tuesday at 12 midday. It's not about thinking out of the box. There is no box. Only on 101.9 High FM. Welcome to 101.9 High FM. It's nine minutes past 12. Thank you so much for joining us. And today we have a really special guest. We've got Evan Carsten, who's the Chief Executive Officer of Matrix Fund Managers in the studio with us. And if you've got questions as to why your investments, not necessary with Matrix, but across the board, have not performed the way you wanted them to perform, you don't understand how they built, how they're made up, what they're all about, where you should be in the future, and what you should do right now as the market goes through a little bit of a wobbly the last couple of weeks, then just pull over and find a safe place to, to park and listen. Because this is an opportunity to really hear it from the guys who build the funds, guys who put it together and make the decisions. Eben, welcome to HiFM. Thanks, Abby, and thanks a lot for the opportunity to speak to you and the listeners today and unpack a little bit about what's going on in investment markets in South Africa and globally. A hundred percent. Before we get into what's going on, as I said to you before, maybe let's take our listeners back a little bit. There's something called the JSE, which means that's the Johannesburg Stock Exchange, which is the South African Stock Exchange. Anybody can go in, you can go via your bank, you can go via the app, you can do whatever you need, and you can buy any share that you want. Or you can go to a fund manager like Matrix, and you can say to them, here's my money, either as a lump sum or on a monthly basis, Please help me to invest. Even how do you guys decide how you're going to build a fund and which different categories of funds you're going to build? So I think, as you mentioned, you've got the JSE, which have got a number of stocks of all the listed companies in South Africa. And then um, apart, apart from equities, which is the mainstay in a lot of people, when they think about markets, they think about the equity market. You have got a vast and broad fixed income market in South Africa as well. You also, if you think about REC 28 funds, for example, if you save for retirement, where you are limited to have a certain percentage in equities, and exactly what the regulator try and do there is try and create a diversified portfolio. So what we do is we um, have got certain experts in-house. So we have got a strong team on the equity side plus the fixed interest side. And also people that look at global opportunities. So you could look at global markets and investing outside of South Africa. And we would then construct, based on those skills, certain funds. Now, the important thing for us when we look at constructing a fund is that there's a specific investment objective. So if you look on the MDD, which in the old days was called the fact sheet of a fund, you have got an investment objective. So if you Pure equity investor, for example, you might aim to outperform a specific benchmark like the JSE, or which is more topical at the moment in South Africa is the SWIX index, which looks at the actual shares and the free float of the shares. But the important thing for us is that when we build a fund, we have got a certain investment objective in mind, and we would like to achieve that investment objective because that's why the investor came to us because they gave us full discretion to actually look at the investments and being able to build diversified funds. So what we offer at Matrix is we offer 
a broad variety of funds. We have got certain fixed income funds, which is more income-like of nature. We have got pure bond funds that look at the all bond index, which is another index looking at fixed interest instruments. We have got an equity fund, but then our flagship funds is really our multi-asset funds. So when you look at multi-asset funds, you have got people that do not only want to make the choice of giving a manager the flexibility to run their assets, but also decide what is the best asset class to be in at different times. So there, your typical benchmarks is in relation to inflation. And what is a typical term that we use in investments is, is CPI plus. So if you think of a person that's retired, for example, they might look at inflation plus 3% as a benchmark. And that's really, or the aim there is that you at least give your investor inflation beating returns so that a person that's retired and is relying on the income from funds like that would be able to meet the expenses as inflation goes up. Clearly, as you move along the risk spectrum, you then get inflation plus four and five, which have got more equities in as well. As we move along the spectrum, do we expect the investment to be more volatile? In other words, to have a more bumpy and choppy ride than something that's expected to give a lower return? Yeah, so, so I mean, that's a very good question. And I think that you normally assume that people that go into the higher targeted returns, so the CPI plus as it moves up, that they expect and understand that, that the returns will be more volatile. Reason for that volatility being more is that when you try and construct a portfolio to um, meet or exceed inflation expectations, you need to look at the various asset classes that you use within that. So in a traditional sense, if you looked at equities across the last 20 to 50 years and even 100 years, equities would tend to be the best performing asset class from an inflation perspective. And if you think about basic economic theory and you think about inflation, when there's inflation, it means there's growth. There is companies that can actually go out and manufacture products and sell it at higher prices, et cetera. So equities is, is, is really the building block for the highest inflation beating returns. But that's also the most volatile asset class. As you mentioned, when we started the conversation, recently we've been going through a little bit of a wobble. I think most investors would uh, would think back and remember what happened in uh, March 2020 when the COVID pandemic really hit and we see we saw equity markets really tanking. But then again, what we did see is we saw a very sharp recovery as the central banks came to the party. They actually reduced interest rates to record lows. And another reason is that those record low interest rates has been around really since. 2008, 2009, when we saw the previous financial crisis. So that sharp recoveries and sharp drawdowns or upticks that we see in equities creates the volatility. Okay, let's get into the meat of the issue. The bottom line is, you said, when we see inflation, we know there's a little bit of a hum in the economy and things are starting to move. But inflation is, you know, I'm sorry, the biggest enemy because it corrodes value. How do... Your, how do fund managers keep their head above the risk of inflation to make sure that they, when they say CPI, which is the basket of inflation plus whatever it is, they're able to sort of manage that expectation on a rolling period? 
And then also someone just asked me, what does a rolling period mean? I suppose that's a good question. Terms we use, but, uh, you know, we haven't clarified maybe. Yeah, so so perhaps let's quickly start with the rolling period and then I'll get into the inflation and how we try and meet that. So when one looks at rolling periods and, and that would take care of the volatility question that you posed as well previously. If you look at annual returns, which is 12-month returns, you would see a certain pattern. But for a lot of investors and asset managers like ourselves, 12 months is a little bit short term. So if you want to compare your more higher risk funds, your rolling period becomes longer and you might look at a 24-month period or what's more typical, a 36-month period. So you would look at three-year rolling returns and your aim would be to at least provide your investor with a specific return outcome over rolling periods. So that would take care of those dips that we talked about in the global financial crisis, what we saw during Nenegate, as well as what we saw during the COVID pandemic and the initial onslaught of the pandemic. Now, when we look at how to build these portfolios and um, we look at certain inflation beating targets and, and I'll stick to the example of an inflation plus three product, it, it might be a little bit easier. So when you look at an inflation plus three product, what we do initially when we start to build that portfolio we set something which is called a strategic asset allocation. So looking back at past returns within markets, we would try and look at what is the asset classes that would give us with the highest probability of certainty the um, inflation return outcome that we desire to build this portfolio. Now, clearly the past is, um, is not a clear guidance that to what would happen in the future, but it is a starting point. And at least what you can do is you can create a static portfolio that you expect would give you a CPI plus three outcome. So in a typical environment, you would include up to a maximum of about 40% equities. You would have the um, ability to go offshore. We've recently seen that within the budget speech, the um, offshore allowance was actually raised to be at 45%. Clearly, when you go offshore, you add volatility because you've got RAND liabilities and now you've got offshore assets. So you wouldn't, in a low risk fund like a CPI plus three, be full tilt at the 45%. But you then need to blend all of those asset classes. Now, investment markets, um, as with the rest of the world, is very dynamic. And what we do see is that return expectations for different asset classes would fluctuate. So what we would typically do is we would look at that strategic asset allocation as a guidance, and we would try and look at how we construct the portfolio based on the prevalent conditions within the market. Fantastic. Evan, we need to take a quick break. As you've just seen, when we come back, what I'd like to discuss with you is local equities versus offshore equities and what the blend should be generally, and then how to diversify it going forward. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back with you in a moment. This is RV on Business. Right. Welcome back to Evan Carsten. Evan, are you a symphony orchestra fan? No, I'm not, but I am a very avid online shopper. 
Okay, well, there you go. Okay. <laughs> so I do think all of these guys that deliver stuff so quickly, um, and and I reckon there is a fuel saving at the end of the day as well, specifically with the fuel price being where it is. Yeah, even just recently, I was in the UK for a week um, on for different things, and what hit me starkly was how many vacant shops there are on the high streets. Yeah. And then I was, you know, just in people's homes and it's got to a point of absurdity where you're busy baking a cake and you realize you haven't got baking powder, you order baking powder to be delivered. And then you put the kids to sleep and you realize you're out of toothpaste, you order toothpaste. Yeah. So you've got these guys on scooters just running all the time. You're online continuously. But really what it's done is that the the, uh, the, the high street stores have really, really sucked. Yeah. Uh, that's quite a rough thing. Anyway, let's get back to the topic at hand. Assets. Yes. So, so, so you want to explore offshore versus local a little Correct. bit. Correct. So, so I think, and, and to stick with our theme of online and all of that, I think what, what, what we have seen the last few years is there's been very definite regime shifts within markets where various of the sectors within market as markets has really performed. So, and, and I'll link that back to the offshore just now, but the key thing is that at different times, there's different segments of the market that perform quite well. So if you think back to, again, the onslaught of the pandemic and you uh, look back to uh, the online shopping craze that even got bigger, you saw the US equity market with a very high technology content and those technology stocks like Netflix, Zoom, um, if you look at, at Facebook, Amazon, etc., really exploded upwards and created a sort of a bubble. So clearly throughout the latter part of 2020, the place to have been were offshore stocks and specifically technology stocks. And as you mentioned, with all these shops being closed, et cetera, clearly property is taking a little bit of a hit. So, so one would favor more of those stocks. But then again, if you look at the technology stocks and you look what recently happened, as soon as the Federal Reserve started to increase rates in the US, you have seen a major collapse in those technology stocks. And, and I just looked at the chart earlier and if you look at a weighted average of most of the technology stocks you are back today where you were just prior to the pandemic and you have had a ride up of about 100 percent and down 60 percent as well so the key thing when you look at local versus offshore and i mentioned the increase in the foreign allowance now specifically and the biggest unit trusts in south africa run by some of the biggest companies are in the multi-asset space. Now, the multi-asset space for a number of years when the foreign allowance was at 25% or at the 30% level, it was not so tricky to really um, be the same as your peers. But what we will see going forward is we will see this very important decision as to how much offshore equity is enough or how much offshore is enough. So I've mentioned earlier that the RAND has got a big impact. So the RAND has got an impact in the sense that normally the RAND would weaken if equities actually sell down. So, so there is a relationship there. So if you're in offshore equities, you have got some protection through the RAND, et cetera. 
but you should be, in my opinion, in offshore equities because it provides you with better value than local South African companies. Now, again, it gets back to that old asset allocation decision to make sure that you choose the asset class that would meet the investment objective that you've set for yourself. If you look at, if you look at funds that got CPR plus or inflation plus as a target, that's linked to local South African CPI and local South African liabilities. So I'm not saying that having offshore investments is not a good thing. It is definitely a very good diversifier and there's very good opportunities offshore, but one has to look specifically in the changed world since the pandemic that we face, specifically at different countries or different sectors within offshore markets, more than just a blanket offshore investment. Okay, we are running against the clock. So let me ask you really what the, the crux of the issue is, inflation. As South African investors, is inflation a real concern? Yeah, so, so I think, look, and we mentioned the fuel price due to oil going up. So there's a few, a few different factors at play here. So what we have seen is, um, and again, I refer back to the pandemic again, but what we have seen is we saw this, this pent-up demand that came through as soon as things started to open up and lockdowns improved. So what we saw is uh, we then saw a dramatic shift in, um, in the supply and demand. So there's a lot of things in the world. I mean, if you think about the chip makers, for et cetera, that make things for phones, there's people that has to make certain parts for cars where you just can't get them at the moment. So inflation is being pushed up from a, a demand perspective on a global basis. We then have the war that's raging between Russia and Ukraine that is, has not made things easier. So there's certain products and certain base products and inputs that have actually gone up quite a lot. And then oil clearly has gone up because of the issues there. So on a global basis, if you look at inflation, and that's actually where South Africa is a little bit better than globally. So from a global perspective at the moment, year on year, the US is running roughly at 8.3% inflation. And that's after being at 2% inflation for roughly 10 years or more. So clearly, that's a massive shock to the system there. And what the Federal Reserve has said is they are quite walkish in what they want to do with interest rates and actually hike interest rates aggressively. And that spills over to South Africa because we need to also look at our interest rates to make sure that our country is still attractive as an investment space for offshore investors. So in South Africa, our inflation is at the moment running at about 6%. Our inflation, and, and we expect inflation to peak roughly at 7.5% and then to come down due to base effects. Clearly, the impact of the rand and oil and the fuel price that we all pay has, has a big um, impact on that. But our basket, when you look at our CPI basket now it's constructed, includes a lot of services in there as well. So the one thing that keeps our inflation slightly lower is that fact that, that oil, transport, et cetera, and, and food specifically does not have that big of an impact. But we are facing much higher inflation than we have seen for the last 10 years. I think our Reserve Bank has been very good at containing inflation and keeping inflation with, um, in the bands, and also then to set inflation expectations. 
So we do expect the Reserve Bank to raise rates more in the coming months. So we expect roughly about another 1.5% interest rate hike. And that should contain inflation. And so in, in inflation is a problem. And I mean, if you think about delivering CPI plus returns to your investors, it becomes more of a challenge if inflation is at 7 versus the 3 or the 4% that we've seen the last few years. But I don't think we are looking at hyperinflation as we see in other countries, other emerging countries like Turkey, for example. The inflation rate year on year um, hit the 70% mark a while ago, which is very crazy. And I mean, if you think about that, but um, no, so, so I don't think inflation is a massive problem in South Africa. We will see inflation and even the 7%, as I mentioned, is not really what your listeners will feel in their pockets because clearly there's other stuff that's more important. But I do think the Reserve Bank is very credible and will do their best to maintain and contain inflation. Fantastic. Eben, unfortunately, we're out of time, but thank you so much for joining us and really just going through things slowly and carefully and just explaining everything and putting into perspective. And always thank you to Matrix for always being available to come on and really just share your time with your with our listeners. Uh, thanks, and it's a pleasure, and look forward to talking again soon. Great. Thank you. That was Evan Carson, who's the CEO of Matrix Fund Managers. Craig, thanks for pushing the buttons. Thanks for listening. We'll speak to you next week.